welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Paul Burgess is the founder of Paul Burgess Functional Medicine. Its purpose is to deliver the most cutting-edge physical training techniques and nutritional advice. Paul is a lifelong drug-free fitness enthusiast whose passion for health and fitness has taken priority since his mid-teens. In his mid-30s, he decided to turn his passion for fitness into his full-time career and became a nutritionist and personal trainer, gaining diplomas in clinical nutrition, personal training, and anti-aging. He is the host of the Athletic Fitness and Nutrition Podcast, which he started back in 2014. His motivation is to be the best he can for his age and to show clients that being over 55 is no reason not to be fit, healthy, and look good. You can find him on his website at paulburgess.uk. Paul, what a pleasure to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thanks, man. Great to be here. And <clears throat> what a fantastic introduction. It sounds like I wrote it myself. <laughs> Do you want me to read it again? I can read it again for you. Oh, that's <laughs> I, I know that story. I, I lived it, so I'm pretty I'm pretty okay with it. That's great. You've accomplished How are you, man? Good? <laughs> yeah, doing great, man. You've accomplished a lot in your career, and I followed your podcast for a very long time. Um, it's a real honor to host you on the show. Um, My I have, pleasure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to start by asking you, um, you know, it's it's been a few weeks at this point at the time of recording, but are you still gashed over the Euro? tournament no it is what it is what you're gonna do it's england football what do you expect man i expected them to win <laughs> those kicks were just Listen, like you know what <clears throat> here's the thing right gareth southgate is is a has been a great manager for the the uk team and done a great job with them but what he did on the day was he brought on three players specifically because they look it looked like it was going to go to penalties and they were specialists at taking penalties and then all three of them missed. Oh. So what you're going to do, it's just one of those things. If it's not your night, it's not your night. It was a great thing for the country. The, you know, that, that couple of weeks of the, the tournament really got people a bit excited about something for the first time in a long time. I don't know if you heard, there's this thing called COVID going around. And it's, <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think it will come to much, but apparently it's taking people's attention. And then, you know, that was a good thing to distract from that. So it was all good, man. It was good. Wow, that's great. I'm just a diehard Brazilian football fan. And so, you know, when, when England beat Germany, I was so excited because my heart's still broken over the 2014 loss that Germany handed Brazil in Brazil on the World Cup. Um, so I was really rooting Casey, for you guys. <laughs> Casey, you, you, you need to do some work on that and get over it, man. It's holding you back to uh, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> we'll see, man. So you've been doing this for a very long time. I'm really curious to learn how you got into the fitness industry to begin with. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> my interest in fitness started when I was quite, quite young, I was probably mid teens. And, um, and back then we're talking about the late seventies. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, um, uh, I, do you know what? It's interesting, actually, because I think from, I, I got into f fitness via bodybuilding in those days. And, it, and, and I don't know how I came across it. It may have been because The Incredible Hulk was on TV, the original <laughs> Lou Ferrigno uh, uh, series. Wow. And, um, and I think as a shy, introverted boy in London um, – I think it appealed to me, bodybuilding and fitness in general, because it was a way of distracting from your insecurities, right? And that's why most people do it. And um, so, yeah, that's how I got into it. There's no internet in those days. 
there was not much of anything in those days, to be fair, other than the odd magazine you could buy, which was really expensive. It was very much an era of Joe Reader and Arnold Schwarzenegger was at his peak and all that kind of thing. In fact, I think he was probably at the end of his career by then. And um, But it just it just attracted me, and, and I spent a lot of time you know, doing that kind of training and, and, and wanting to be um, bigger and stronger and everything else for that reason. And interestingly, it's the worst reason you can do it for because you're never satisfied. You never reach a goal that you're happy with. And it actually brings on more insecurities, but that's a different story. So <clears throat> that's how I got into it. But I did find that biology and health um, really appealed to me. And I think if we're looking at it from an even deeper perspective, that was much more about control over my life, right? So if I can control things that happen to me, then obviously it's going to be better. And again, that's an insecurity issue. Uh, there's a trend here. I don't know if you've spotted it yet. But then um, getting into biology, understanding how things affect our health was always quite kind of from a very young age. Um, and I kind of had a bit of a talent for it, I think. It kind of resonated with me. Um, and then I went into the city of London and had a career when I was a founder member of the biggest independent financial advisors in the city, which is completely opposite to health and wellness. It's the worst type of work you can do. It was all, it was the typical, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle, too much stress real bad food, too much alcohol, all that kind of stuff. Um, spending all your money on stuff that doesn't matter, blah, 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 usual sort of thing. And eventually I realised, actually, I hate the way this makes me feel. I hate the life it's giving me, even though it was full of, in inverted commas, all the success you um, you you think of that thing. And um, and I decided to move into something that I loved and I'm passionate about, and, and that's what I did. And that's how I got made it a commercial venture in that i now run a global online business that treats patients all around the world um i don't think there's many countries that we that we don't treat people in um and um i you know now love the actual job that i do i have done for many years massively passionate about it um, and we see extraordinary results for people who've had real struggles getting any value from from other places, and and it keeps me getting up early and and wanting to keep going and, and learning more every day, and it's it's incredible. I love it. Wow, that's amazing. I you know the saying goes, you you get into the work um, that you do for your life because you need it the most. And I think all of us in the fitness world have definite insecurities and things like that. And we, we, you know, you're right. we like, we never feel like we've arrived at where we want to be. The goal always seems to be just over the horizon. I'm curious to know how your understanding about that has changed over time. And if you get more passion and joy from the process and the journey versus the arrival of feeling like you actually got to where you set out to be. Oh, it's easy. Um, that that motivation was all misfounded. It was all wrong. There was no need for it, and the um, the the setup of it. In actual fact, we see it a lot now in in social media. We we'll talk about this in in a little while. The, the real impacts of that, but you know, people are looking for validation externally by looking a certain way, 
And um, and it's complete nonsense. There's no value to that whatsoever. And um, all that does is encourage more bad behavior and, and more insecurities. So when I got to the point of realizing, actually, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter, you know, how much you can lift or whatever, how fast you can run or how well you compete in a CrossFit uh, uh, event, sorry, um, and things like that. Um, then I realized, actually, they're not important things that I need to focus on. And what is important to me is how do we genuinely, this is important to me, how do I get patients to feel better for longer? And how do I get them to start living an amazing life every day? So that's the goal of any patient that comes into my office. And once you start focusing on those things that actually matter, um, the rest of it just disappears, right? You, you don't have those insecurities or or feel as though you need to keep chasing that particular non-productive goal because it's not important anymore. Mm. I think I think the, the short answer to that is I think I grew up. Mm. Wow. That's really well explained. I'm curious to know, you know, you're describing this career that was, you know, quote unquote successful, like you said, you know, financially mm. successful, but wasn't providing you the richness or, you know, what you were looking for in life. What what obstacles did you face by starting your own company, like stepping out on your own and, and choosing to follow your passion versus choosing to follow something that most people would consider to be success in the way that the world defines it? Yeah, it's a good question because the, the thing that stops people changing um, is the fear of the unknown. Because, and especially if you're in, in an established, successful position, you know, you don't want to give up six figures a year. You've become accustomed to a lifestyle that provides you, even though the things that you become accustomed to are not important. Um, you become, you, so it's a big step, right? You, 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 you don't want to leave that um, safety net behind. And so I had to take a massive step back. But it came at a time where I was just so fed up with it and so disillusioned and not, like you said, fulfilled or happy. It wasn't that big a decision because I was quite happy to get away from it. Um, and then it was a case of building up something from the ground upwards that I thought back then, this is a long time ago now, but I thought back then was the right thing to do and, and we did it the right way. And now when I look back at it, it was the completely wrong thing, but you know, times have changed significantly. And um, stepping out of it and making the change was the biggest thing. But, you know, the biggest risk is not taking the risk. Mm, man, that's so well said. I love that. Um, while we're looking back, I would love for you to consider the past and think about, um, you know, the things that you were teaching people at the time. And maybe could you highlight one thing that through the years has remained true over time and maybe one thing that you've really changed your mind about over time? Okay, so the one thing I think that's remained true throughout everything is that our our biology hasn't changed in thousands of years. And we need to treat it the same way from that perspective. And something I used to say years and years ago, which I still hold true today, is that I don't think um, there is a particular diet that is better than any other. When we evolved, we ate a vegan diet at times. At times, it was a carnivore diet. At times, it was mixed. At times, it was just fruit. You know, it was whatever was available. And we thrived on all of them. So when you 
want to split them into something and say, no, 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 carnivore, you have to do this because all this plant matter has got poison in it or, you know, you have to be vegan because meat will kill you. Um, I don't buy into any of that and I never have done. And I think when you understand it from that perspective, it takes an awful lot of stress and confusion out of what to eat. So that's the thing that I, that's kept constant. Um, don't get me wrong, I've done keto diets before for extended periods of time. I have um, done paleo and Mediterranean and things like that for various reasons. I'm in the middle of a five-day fast currently, um, which I'm doing for a particular reason. But um, so, so they all have their therapeutic values, but I think overall don't get caught up in the hype. That's the thing that stayed. Mm. And then what's changed... Um, I think what's changed is understanding what influences your choices because our choices are not ours. They are, they are manipulated from us for the benefit of, um, for other people. And, and that is a very big subject, but you know, we, we do not make, or, or the majority of people do not make choices um themselves they are influenced into it and that um that's a big thing that i I work with people a lot on now which i didn't do before Mm, that's really interesting how do you work with people in that way um are you talking about like like society's influence over people and and helping them step out on their own is that kind of on the right track it's it's just everything really so i think okay to to start with um we've got to look at what the, the, the main goal is and the main goal in my opinion is to get people to a place where they can live a genuinely amazing, happy life every day. And to do that, you have to be of the opinion that when you wake up in the morning, you've got to, you've got to have your radar on and look for the most amazing experiences every day. So that doesn't mean you wake up and tell yourself positive affirmations that, oh, life's brilliant, life's brilliant, life's great. That's completely different and not that valuable, in my opinion. What has to happen is you need to be open to see how amazing your garden is or what your child is about or how that interaction with somebody was so beneficial or just appreciate the wind or whatever it is. But if you're in that state of mind, you'll be amazed how many phenomenal experiences you have on a daily basis and to do that you have got to be well right if you're sick and broken and in pain you don't have the capacity to look for the good things in life so that's the end goal and to do that we have to understand why we've got the illness in the first place and a lot of health is determined by our behaviors and our behaviors are determined by our beliefs Right. So if you've got high cholesterol, for example, then it could be because you've got blood glucose dysregulation. Um, it could be dietary. It could be from a pathogen. It can be an inflammatory problem. It could be all sorts of things, toxicity, whatever. Let's just take dysglycemia for a minute and blood glucose regulation. If that is causing an increase in cholesterol, then that's not the root cause. Right? The root cause is why is your sugar unbalanced well let's have a look at it in very very simple terms maybe it's your diet okay 
what is it about your diet that's causing that to be a problem? So look at the diet and you go, okay, well, you eat this and maybe that's not so good for you and whatnot. Then you have to look at, well, why do you eat that? What is your understanding? What's your belief about that dietary approach that makes it okay to do it? And then you're going to get into some things which make you understand why that person does that thing. Once you get to that belief, you can change that. Once you change that, you can change the behavior. And once you change the behavior, you change the outcome. So, for example, if your belief is it's okay to stay up until 2 a.m. and watch Netflix or, or be gaming online all night, then that's what your behavior will be. And your outcome, health-wise, will reflect that. If your belief is you need to be in bed by 10 o'clock because it gives me better cognitive function and I'm more enthusiastic and passionate and creative and productive, then you'll be in bed by 10 and the outcome will be of that. So where do these beliefs come from, which was the question? And they come from everything that influences us from practically the moment we're born. Initially, obviously, it's our parents, and then it's school friends, and then it's college or university peer groups, and then it's maybe a job, and then it's maybe a partner, and then it's, you know, there's all sorts of things. On top of all of the marketing that is thrown at us from a very, very young age that's massively powerful. So if we if we want to focus on health, for example, then you know you never see a, an advert for pizza or for burgers where it's being advertised with a with a four hundred pound couple who can't get out of bed and are sick and broken and tired and just in a very bad place sitting there eating a burger and chips. Right? It's always about people who are good looking, healthy, vibrant having fun, smiling, laughing, this is what you get if you eat this burger kind of thing. And we know that that's not true intellectually, but that marketing is extraordinarily powerful. And when you have that every day, multiple times a day, all your life, and then you see people around you doing it, that will affect your belief around things. Well, it's okay to have that now and then or every day or whatever it is. So those beliefs are coming from these places, right? Now, What we've experienced recently in the last sort of 10 years, which we never experienced before, is the power of influence from from technology. One of the examples that I always give is is companies like Amazon. So if you buy something from Amazon, you're going to get an email saying, oh, you bought this the other week, Casey. How about this? You You might find it interesting. Now let's, now, let's assume that the email is about something you've never thought of or considered in your life. Okay, here is, because it's no, it's no good them giving you things that you're already buying. They need you to buy other things. So here's, a, here's an email for a safety hammer that allows you to break double-glazed windows in the event of a fire so you can get your family out safely. And you look at it and go, what are you talking about? I'm, that's not even coming to my conscious. I didn't even know that existed. But over the weeks where you get more and more of the emails, all of a sudden you find yourself going, well, do I need one of those? Let me have a look. And then you start looking at it. Eventually you may buy it. And if you do, you're now the person that owns that product. Now that makes you a different person, philosophy-wise, experience-wise. And that then changes your behaviors because you're no longer the person that doesn't own that. You're the person that does. And if you do, it comes with other beliefs, right? One of them is, I hadn't thought about that. 
safety element for my family. Now I've got anxiety of having a fire at night because what am I going to do if I can't get them out? Okay, well, I've got to put this hammer somewhere. Let me check all the things before I go to bed more. What's going to happen? And then you start getting a totally different outlook on things. And that creates, again, different behaviours from different beliefs. Now, that's a, a, a bit of a weird example, but it's an illustration as to how people are pushed down a particular path that is not of their choosing. It's only of the choosing of other areas. And the end result we have to always remember is, you know, we're all born with a bank account and you can't add anything to that account, but every day you withdraw 24 hours. And if that 24 hours is spent anxious, tired, in pain, ill, depressed, or whatever it is, that 24 hours is scrumpled up and thrown in the waste paper basket. And the next day you go back and take out another 24 hours out of your account. And if you do not have a great day because it's depressed and lonely or uh, anxious or sick or, you know, whatever it is, then you get screwed up again, thrown away, and you go and draw out another 24 hours. And the biggest issue is we do not know what our balance is on our account. So I might have two days left. I might have 20,000 days. But if I don't make today amazing, then it's wasted, it's gone, it's never coming back. And people live like that, not having an amazing life, for decades, waiting for some you know, weird time in the future that's never going to come, that everything's going to be okay. And that is directly related to our beliefs around our behaviours. So I know that's a very, very long ramble about stuff, but it's about knowing where your, your influence comes from, what's made you believe certain things, and then questioning that so that the actions you take every day are always beneficial and, you, and you're not wasting that life that we know it comes to an end one day. Wow, Paul, that is absolutely brilliant. You're bringing to mind something that just happened to me recently. Like uh, over the weekend, this last weekend, I decided that I was going to go off my diet. I did it very consciously. I bought a pie and I knew that I was going to feel terrible. And I decided to buy it anyway. I don't eat pies. <laughs> I have a very simple diet. I have a very clean diet. I eat once a day. Um, you know, the foods that I really love and the foods that I know will bring me joy and happiness in my day to day. And I decided I'm going to go off it. It's a weekend. I don't often do this. I ate the pie. I didn't sleep at all. I was sweating all night. And in the morning I woke up like from, from very little sleep with this feeling of anxiousness. Like everything was, was going to fail. My business was going to fail. My relationship was going to fail. All of this stuff was like clouded over wow, me. What, what sort of pie was that, man? I know, it right? Like mushroom pie or something. Seriously, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I felt depressed. I felt awful. And luckily, you yeah. know, like most days I eat a good diet and I just, you know, I went on a fast and I went on my walk and walked a little bit longer and went on a bike ride and went a little bit longer to kind of work that stuff out of my system. And 24 hours later, I, I found myself, you know, practicing my stoicism practice for the week where I'm supposed to envision the earth as this little blue dot that's flipping in space in an infinite universe and to appreciate the small things. And I found myself walking around the neighborhood with my normal feelings of like awe and wonder and like looking at this tiny little flower that grew out of nothing and the birds that fly around you know, how, how the geese know when to start flying south for the winter. And it, it's so amazing, the contrast between those two things. It's so cool. 
the way that your your decisions, the, exactly the way you said, your decisions about how you treat your day, the 24 hours, you can either throw that away like I did <laughs> by eating that, yeah. that damn yeah. pie <laughs> versus yeah. walking around in wonder and amazement because you take care of yourself. It's totally different. But, but you know what's really important, Casey, on that is that I'm not talking about having a, 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 a life that's disciplined like a monk. I'm not talking about deprivation or, or, or not doing the things that you want to do. I'm talking about making sure the things that you do serve you, right? So everything you do serves you and you don't do the things that cause you problems. And your example is perfect because, you know, you consciously said, right, you know, I fancy this. I want to, I want to let go a bit and, 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 and have this thing. And, and then you knew you were going to pay the tax on it the next day. And you went, that's why I don't do that stuff. Now, there are reasons you did that, which we probably won't get into, but there are, there are definitely some reasons there about, you know, um, why you felt as though you had to do that on that day. But the, the good result is that it gave you a good um, perspective on what was important and why you don't do that. And you're right, that's wasted and it's never coming back. And if you if you live a life like that for decades on end, you, you know you're going to end up a very sad person, and and that's not what life's about. And we and we we miss that, we lose that um, perspective. Mm. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's a really good point. The one good thing that came out of it is was a very good reminder of why I don't do those things, and it it doesn't feel like a deprivation when you're you're choosing to enjoy life versus choosing to enjoy a bite of food that might taste good in the moment. But yeah, that tax is a good way to say it. It was a heavy, heavy tax that I paid. Yeah, you, you know that 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 tax has always got to get paid, and and that whether that tax is comes in the form of more energy and creativity and and enjoyment, or the tax comes in suffering and you know sluggishness and depression, then it's going to get paid. But here's an interesting thing: um, the decision you make um, has more influence than than in that moment. So if you have a choice, let's say you're out at a restaurant and you have the menu and you've got a choice of burger and fries. I keep bashing burger and fries, but let's use it as an example. <laughs> burger and fries, or you've got um, a, 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 a roast salmon, roasted vegetable salad, um, and you choose the salmon and the salad. When you finish eating that meal, you'll feel really good about yourself and you'll also feel really good right? because what you just put in your body makes you feel good. Later on, so this is lunchtime, let's say, later on, you will also make a good decision about your next meal because you go, look, I did really well at lunchtime. I feel great. And when I feel great, I'm going to make good decisions. And so you choose something healthy at dinner. If you chose the burger and chips at lunch, then your decision-making is very different because you go, well, you know what? I've had the burger and chips. Screw it. I might as well have the cheesecake. Let me just finish this off. And then later on in the day, that doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you feel energized and amazing. It makes you feel a bit rubbish. And then you go, well, I screwed that up, so I might as well have another, you know, I might as well have a pizza for dinner and I'll have the ice cream. And sod it. I'll start again tomorrow. And what people don't realize is that, chain of events is extraordinarily destructive because it lasts much longer than just that day. Because the next day you get up and go, right, no, I'm going to be good today. I'm definitely going to be good today. I'm going to start with a decent breakfast or I might skip breakfast altogether. 
and then you come across a choice again. This time you're out. You have to make a choice from the supermarket, and you you're hungry, and you think, oh, do you know what? I'll just have the sandwich and the and the soda and the French uh, and and the potato chips. And then again, you're on that roller coaster again. Oh, I did it. I screwed it up at lunchtime. Let me make the 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 bad decision again at dinner. All you've got to do is be aware in that moment. And as long as you make a good decision in that next meal, that will have a knock-on effect to two, three, four, five, ten meals after that. Mm. It's when you choose the what is perceived as the instant gratification in the junk food that all the wheels fall off. And I'm sure a lot of people can can attest to that because I know or I started and it, it was like a runaway train and I end up at, you know, Sugarville with more ice cream than I can shake a sticker. And you guys out there have got buckets of it. It's amazing. Oh my God. So much. It's, and and it's crazy that um, so much of that stuff is available to us. Um, You know, again, how do you get a 400 pound guy who's got malnutrition? Work that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. It's crazy. crazy. So so the decision you make in that moment has much more, um, far-reaching effects in just that moment. Yeah, that's such a good point, man. You're right. Like, everybody thinks, like, diet starts on Monday or I'm going to join the gym in January. And it's like, no, just start right now. You don't have to wait to consider your health. Like, this is for your benefit. Start with the meal that's in front of you. If you screwed up breakfast, fine. Get back on track at lunch or dinner. Like, you don't need to wait. And again, this this is something that's going to improve your life and improve your health. You don't need to wait for that. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, though, this creeps up on us, right? So you end up, you know, when you're young, you could probably get away with this stuff and you don't really know what it's like not to have energy and not to have brain function and stuff. But then it creeps up on us and we get slightly worse and slightly worse and you go, oh, I can't believe I'm away this much and look at me in the mirror, I look terrible and I feel so tired all the time, this can't be right and I've got no sex drive and I'm only 35 and whatever, right? And this goes for women as well. I'd say a lot of women, in fact, I see more women patients than I do men. But the um, but it creeps up on us. And then you're in this thing where you're searching for comfort externally. And that comes a lot from food, alcohol, and that's the lifestyle. And then to change that, you, you need a massive lever to be able to get change in people because it's their only comfort because they're miserable in their job. They've been miserable for years because they're not living a happy life. They're not enjoying life every day because they've created this issue with being directed by other influences. Nothing is working for them. They feel tired. They don't have the motivation or energy to make the shift. So it's easier for them not to. Now, I know I feel like crap, but better this than having to actually get off my butt and go for that walk or, you know, eat that salad because it's a lot easier and more convenient to put some bread in a toaster and just have that. And so you need big levers then to change things. And then the other big part of my business is obviously the health side, which is blood testing, toxicity testing, mold, organic acids, that kind of stuff. And when we start looking at those things and really seeing how people's health is under the bonnet, that's a massive lever. Mm. You know, if I come up with, here's a great example. I see a lot of patients that have all sorts of issues and cancer is one of them. And what people don't seem to understand that much of is that 
doctors and specialists will treat the illness. Okay, they'll treat the symptoms. So if it's cancer, for example, they'll treat the cancer. But what they're not doing is looking at what caused it in the first place. And that's a really big distinction. There are some clinics, don't get me wrong, who do it properly. The majority of oncologists who are very well-meaning people, I'm not bashing them in the slightest, they tend to do what they know, and that's treat the symptom because that's the most important thing. So I had a patient come to me recently. She was 71 years old. She had breast cancer 12 years ago, um, got rid of it, was in remission, was taking a drug for 10 years, stopped taking it. Um, and then a year later, got very aggressive ovarian cancer. And her oncologist said to her, look, you've got, basically, we can do a four-month chemo um, treatment. But after that, I'm not really sure where we would go. Possibly there's some experimental things we could try. And, all, you know, effectively, she said, no, if, it, if this doesn't work, you need to get your affairs in order. And um, so I'm, I'm talking to her because she came to me in the first week of her, of her four-week chemo. And I said to her, that, that doesn't make sense to me. You, you, you had it 12 years ago, you had a cancer, which was, an, which was a hormonal cancer, breast cancer. You got rid of it. You went on a hormone-lowering drug, which is called tamoxifen. You were fine. You came off of that and you got this aggressive ovarian cancer, again, ovaries, estrogen, cancer, hormonal. Something else is driving it. Why do you keep getting this? You're not just unlucky. So I said, has, ever, has anyone in any of your... Um, testing ever looked at your toxicity or your mold um infections and she, no no one's ever done that so okay let's get that done so we do a mold and a, and a toxicity and we find two molds uh, but there's more than that there's four but two specific ones that are known to cause cancer and four um pollutants or, or toxins that come from industrial pollutants also known human carcinogens now the oncologist is going to do their best to treat the cancer. It's not going to do the, any good to her because even if they get rid of it in the moment, that underlying cause is still there. And no one's looked at that. So until we deal with that and get rid of all of those things, she's got every chance it's going to come back again because that toxicity is still there driving that potential cancer to get regrown. And people don't look at things from that perspective. They don't look at what the real underlying cause is. So we've got beliefs and behaviours driving our, our outcomes, their, their underlying causes. And then we've got toxicity and mould and various organic acids and obviously your bloods. Now, when you show someone, we're, we're talking about cancer, so we use it, here are three things that we know causes cancer in a human. That is the, the lever. That's the biggest lever you can get to get them to change their behaviour and their beliefs and then make the effort. Because once people see that in them, they tend to change. And I was having this discussion with my uh, my wife recently, and she said, yeah, but everyone's got mould. I said, yeah, but one in two get cancer. People are not mm. putting this together. They're not putting one, two and two together. They're just going, well, everyone's got it. And the way she said it was really interesting because she said it in a way that normalised it. right? So when everyone's got it, so there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's a normal thing. The truth of the matter is everyone's got it and one in two get cancer and most people are not taking care of that early enough in life. And we've all got it at some degree, depending on where you live and you know what you're exposed to and that kind of thing. And so a lot of my business, a lot of my work is, 
is around getting those things out of people, getting them better, getting them healed, you know, whether it's viruses and all that sort of stuff that sits around in people for years. So looking at it from really a cellular level and getting that right so that they don't have those chronic issues in the future. Now you imagine being in a place where you're, you've, you've got rid of all this stuff and, and your body's working better than it's ever done ever in its life. You've got as much capacity as you want to look for, a, you know, the, the amazement of life every day now, because you're just like, yeah, life's amazing. I feel fantastic. What has life got to offer? Because I want to go and grab it with both hands. Whereas if, you know, God bless her, at 71 years old, she's got a second bout of cancer that's that's causing her so much pain and suffering. The last thing she's going to do is go, oh, this is, this is lovely. Let me go and enjoy that. You know, you don't have that capacity. So um, it's important that people understand all the different aspects of what influences you and your health. And that's your your beliefs and your behaviours, it's your environment, your external environment, and it's your internal environment. And once you've got understanding of all of those issues and what influences you, then you've got half a chance of getting your health right. Mm. Uh, you cannot do that stuff on your own. Mm. Right? You've got to get somebody who knows what they're doing. It would be like me. If I try to do that, if someone tried to do it on their own, it would be like me trying to work out my reading glasses prescription from watching a YouTube video. And you can imagine how that's going to go. Yeah. Mm. Right? You don't have the expertise. It's not your, it's not your thing. Please don't think you can work this stuff out on your own. And that's what people do, right? They go, well, I'll just look it up online. It's easy. Look, that thing says I've got a, I've got an aloe vera deficiency. That's what I need. Aloe vera. That'll, that'll kill everything. That'll cure everything. Okay. Good luck with that. Right? It's no, no one's looking at this stuff to the level that we do. And once you put that all together, it's such a powerful proposition that it changes people's lives. And, and it's insane, the, 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 the results that we get. Wow. That is such a great point. And that's such a hard part about this type of career, like working in health and fitness, when you're telling people like, you really shouldn't eat vegetable oil, you really shouldn't have a lot of sugar, you really need to get outside and get some fresh air and sunlight. And people, you know, they'll say like, well, I can't or, or vegetable oil is everywhere. Or, you know, what do I do about mold? And they're, they're saying like, what, what is, you know, normal but it's, it's not normal. It's average. <laughs> it's just what everybody's experiencing. And they'll say like, well, I can't because vegetable oil is in everything. And I'll say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't eat vegetable oil. It's like smoking a cigarette. Like you really shouldn't yeah. smoke a cigarette. And, and those two things kind of clash for a lot of people, but it doesn't make it any less true that you, you shouldn't do some of these behaviors. Well, do you know what the, the other, the overriding issue is for a lot of people is they, they believe that once I've done this intervention, I can go back to my normal life. So let's say someone comes to you and you say, right, we're going to sort out your, your training and your diet and your uh, mindset and everything else. And it's all going to be, you, you're going to get over this thing that you've been suffering. And they go, great. Okay. And then they go, okay, when can I go back? How long is this going to be? And when can I go back to my normal life? And you go, how do you mean? So, well, you know, obviously once this is all done, in their head, I'll be fixed and I can go back to the, the ice cream and the Netflix and everything else that I've been doing. I'm not saying you can't watch Netflix or eat ice cream, but, you know, they go back to that old life that actually caused the problem. Exactly. They don't see it as a long-term change. 
it's a it's an intervention that's why it's an eight-week diet or you know a 16-week plan or whatever else it is and they go right there's the end point i can go back to doing what i was doing <laughs> and until they understand you're never going back because that's where the problems came from that they're always waiting for it to end so that they can resume their old habits <laughs> and that's very disruptive and more to the point something you mentioned about the planet you know this little dot and everything else you would have heard i'm sure recently that climate change and weather particularly is changing dramatically and you know we've got fires in los angeles we had massive fires in australia the heat the temperature in los angeles went up to like 50 degrees in california somewhere um we've had massive floods in europe lately towns and countries that were never ever ever flooded before have had such major floods you've had like hundreds of people dying on the back of it in london we had a, a month's worth of rain in two hours and obviously that causes flooding and they get and, and the the, the media keep referring it back to this, you know, it was a month's worth in a day or in an hour, but the month's worth, that no longer exists. You know, what we've got now is permanent. This is never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So sorry to put a downer on things, but this climate stuff is never going to turn around. You know, we've screwed it and it's going to continue to get worse and worse because you cannot turn a ship around this big. Like it has to be, you know, this stuff is, it, um, um, unless somehow Gresha Thunberg's message gets through to these people and they stop doing what they're doing, this is just going to get worse. But people are still having their head that, you know, when it goes back to being normal, when the, when the temperature like calms down a bit and we stop having these floods, then, you know, life will be better again. We're back to normal. This ain't happening. You know, this is only going to get worse. And I've got four kids and they are all going to see it get gradually worse and worse throughout their lives. And so people have got to understand that because they, they have that same mentality about their health. They think, oh, I've just got to do this intervention quickly and then I can go back to where I was. And those things are massively important to understand because once you realise this is it, you can then make the best of it and do it in the best way that serves you. But if you think this is going to be an end point and you can go back to something else, you're already you're, you're already set up to fail because you're never going to get to that point. Mm. Such a great point. I mean, how many smokers think like, wow, my life is terrible because I'm smoking, so I'm going to quit for a few months so that I can go back to smoking. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and you're totally right. Well, a, like lot of them, a lot of them will, will not have – it's weird. I remember somebody I knew gave up smoking once, and they worked in an office, and one of their colleagues said, well, have you kept, have you kept a, a pack? And they said, no. And they said, no, no, you've got to keep a pack. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you ever need one, then you've got one. So how's that giving up? You know, that's just basically saying, well, I'm going to keep them, and, and one day I'm definitely going to go back to them because I'm, I've got them there. So how was that even a strategy that was going to work? It was the weirdest thing. And, and so people have got this thing about, you know, they, they – they, you, like you said, they think that I'll give up for a while, I'll be okay, and then I can – go back to doing what I was doing. It's, it's 
just a bit bizarre to me. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the thing about climate, like just this, it's, okay, we're recording on a Wednesday. Um, just this week, like <laughs> only this week, like we have had so much smoke in our environment from the fires that are coming from California and all over the West. We've had mm. massive flash flooding all over the South. And earlier this week, there was a horrible, horrible um, sandstorm that caused a massive wreck on the freeway that killed eight people and basically wiped out an entire family people that I know personally, it was, it's so tragic. It's so hard. And that was just this one week. Like you're right. Like some of these things are not going the right direction. Our, as, as a population, I am so incredibly pessimistic about the direction that we're heading health wise. When you go out into the world and look to see the way that people are living, it's really sad. It's such a bummer. I'm curious for you knowing that things are going to get worse and things are going to be worse for your kids. How do you stay optimistic and positive despite having all of these things spiraling out of control, seemingly. Yeah. The, um, so you, you're absolutely right in the fact that um, it's a tough thing to, to be positive about. You have to make something positive out of it. But I, I, I'm with you in that I think humans have, have uh, peaked and then we're now on the, on the wrong side. Um, I think we are long-term certainly going to destroy our race as humans and on the timeline of the world we will be a, a very small blip that was here for a little while and destroyed the planet um and you look if you look at the timeline i think the dinosaurs have been here a lot longer than we ever were um just because we we were so efficient at destroying everything that's right now, the the world is set up to cause us illness there's no two ways about it not only from an industrial pollutant perspective and the, and the thousands of chemicals that are developed every year that our body does not know how to detoxify and doesn't recognize, but you know, everywhere you go, you sit down on your sofa and it's going to have a flame retardant treatment on it. That's going to be destructive. You put every chemical you put on your body via cosmetics or body wash or aftershave or whatever it is, that's all detrimental. If it's not the right type, especially there are lots of them that have got some really nasty stuff in them. Actually, finding a, a clean version of those things is quite difficult nowadays. Um, the, the, the world of social media and how that influences your expectations and beliefs is massively destructive. You know, that, that, that just gives people false imaging as to what they should be aiming for. And they can never, ever be... Um, they can never achieve those goals and therefore they're always going to be a failure. And so all of that stuff is, is all bad for our health. So the modern world is set up against us. And for me, we have to be as resilient to that as possible, but we can only make sure we're resilient to it. If we recognize that these things are a problem. And so from a positive perspective, we can say, okay, I know this stuff sucks and I know you know, all these things are stacked against us. So what can I do to be as resilient as possible and reduce exposure to things, be conscious about, you know, where you get your water from and what type of water it is, be conscious about what you're eating and where that's coming from, about the stress that's in your life and how you're managing that, about prioritizing things like sleep and not living in a, in, 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 a, in an area which is very industrial, um, always polluted. I had to ask a patient the other day to move out of her house because her, her mold report for her house 
not for her. Her she came back with with a lot of mold infection, but her house was so bad that well, I had to get her out of there because there's no way I could treat her while she was living there. It'd be like it'd be like her standing in the middle of a swimming pool and me throwing her a towel and say dry yourself off. It was wow. never going to work. So I had to I had to ask her to leave, leave her house, live somewhere else while we get on top of these things. And she didn't just have mold; she's got mold she's got epstein-barr she's got um lime and a few other things that all need to be treated and and we will treat them over time but you can't do it while you're in those environments so in answer to your question how am i positive and what am i positive for my children it's about making them aware so that you're not ignorant to the fact and then all of a sudden it's caught you out you know unaware and once you're aware of it you can make the decisions that serve you better and, um, you know, I see, I'll, I'll give you a good example. There's a patient of mine who lives on a main road. And when we did her toxicity, it was off the chart. But there was like, we, we test 178 different toxins. And I think she had about 30 that were, were just, we couldn't even get on the, on the scale. It was so bad. And I just said to her, where do you live? And she told me, she, it's not practical for her to move. So we have to do some work with her to try and um, get the toxins under control. But I said to her, look, and she said, look, I never walk on the road. You know, I always walk in the park. I never, you know, I'm conscious of that thing. I said, yeah, but every time you open the window and let the fresh air in and all the rest of it, these invisible particles of industrial pollutants come in your house. They they settle on your bed, on your sofa, on your dining table, wherever it is, and you'll eat, sleep, and um, sit in this stuff all the time. You know, you can't get away from it. And it builds up over years and it builds up in your tissue over years. And if you're not aware of it, then it comes back to haunt you. But if you are aware of it, you can take steps to make yourself more resilient. So I think that's the way to be positive is that we are still in control to a point because we're aware of the problem. You know, if you're not aware of it, then that's where it's that's where the um, destruction comes. And, and sadly, you know, your story about some friends of yours that were uh, sadly died in in this week's events and um, that's going to become more often because it's not going to change it's not going to get better um, we're going to have more of that stuff going on and you know places that were you know very very high property prices i know um the hills at la there are certain areas where a lot of the celebrities used to used to live and still do a lot of their houses got burned down over the last few years and um you know, you're going to find that property prices are going to drop around those areas the more often these things happen because you're going to not be able to get insured and it's going to be known as a fire risk. Yeah. And that's just going to be normal, right? That's not going to be a one-off. It's going to be a normal thing. Yeah. So being aware of it allows you to be proactive and that allows you to have a positive attitude, I think. Mm. If I'm answering that same question, you know, what, what makes me you know, walk around my neighborhood and, and be in awe and wonder of some of the amazing things versus concentrating on some of the bad things. I have to say it's people like you, it's people that have, you know, understood that we might not have a lot of hope for the population, but there is hope in an individual person. And I see somebody like you who is aging, kicking ass, being strong. And you said the word resilient. I love that where everybody else is trying to be comfortable and make things be, you know, there's no suffering. There's no, there's no discomfort in anybody's life that they 
you know, need to be resilient for. And I'm just curious to know, like for somebody like you, like, how do you, how do you think about resilience in your own life and what things do you do personally to be resilient? Wow. Okay. How long have we got? So the, so the thing is, this stuff has to be your, your lifestyle, right? It has to be every choice that you make and the decision you make. And I don't believe that you should set this thing up so that you're deprived or that you're having to be uber disciplined. I think willpower always wins over. You know, you, you're always going to end up doing something you shouldn't if it's a willpower thing. So it has to be this belief and this understanding that that's just the way you live your life. So for me, I'm very conscious about cosmetics or, you know, what I'll put on my body. I, I did a test on myself years ago and came up with high aluminium. I couldn't work out where it was coming from. And I've got, I've got a genetic predisposition to Alzheimer's. And um, aluminium is a really destructive um, brain heavy metal. And so that had to go. And I couldn't work out where it was coming from. And then I realized the deodorant I was using was aluminium in it, which most of them do. And obviously, whatever you put on your skin is the same as eating it. You will absorb it. Um, and also, I had a coffee machine that used the capsules. You know, the aluminium capsules? Yeah. That go in. And, um, and I was using that a few times a day. And... I did the research on it and the, and all the research was saying there's no aluminium in anything that comes out of those things. But I just looked at it and thought, you've got high pressure heat going through an aluminium pod. There's no way some of that does not leach out of it. It's just not, it's just not a possibility. So I changed out the coffee machine, obviously changed out the deodorant and stuff. I, I'm very conscious about all the other um, body care products that I use. So that removes those sort of things. Um, the water that I use uh, is filtered through reverse osmosis, so it takes out everything um, that we want taken out because the municipal water supply is uh, it's used many, many times over. You know, it's refined and goes back to a cleaning plant and then comes back again. So I think in London, the story is that the water that comes out of your tap has been through seven people already. What? And yeah, I mean, it's the same everywhere. Wow. It gets, it gets recycled all the time. So, obviously, you know, you drink the water, you go to the toilet, it goes down the pipe, goes and gets cleaned and comes back again. But the the problem with that is the refining places cannot remove things like medications and hormones. So, if anyone's taking a hormone uh, medication like the contraceptive pill, which there's a lot of, um, that doesn't get removed. And, and nor does things like um, depression meds or heart medications, things like that. So you'll see that weirdly, you know, people are getting higher and higher estrogen levels when we test them. And they say, well, I've got no idea where that's coming from. Well, I can tell you, if you're drinking tap water, it's one of the sources of it. So, you know, reverse osmosis removes most of that stuff. So I do a lot of, um, we use that. Um, you look at the pans that you use to cook with, have they got aluminium in them? Um, are they, have they got other things in them that you shouldn't have? Um, so make sure that's right. Obviously manage your stress because that's a really important thing. There's nothing that's that important that um, should stress you that much um, because that is always detrimental. So knowing you can sit down, relax, breathe, take some time out, stand in awe at the, neighborhood you know the stuff that you're talking about that stuff's some of the most important things you can do focus on your sleep make sure you get that right um 
And then, like, if you're in the car and you're stuck in traffic, there's a little button on most people's cars if they've got air conditioning, and it's a recirculating button. And if you press that, the air in the car recirculates. You don't draw in um, air from outside. So if you're stuck in traffic where you're driving through a heavily um, populated area and there's a lot of traffic, you want to put that button on. You want to make sure that the air is only circulating in your car. You don't want to be bringing new air in because most of it's going to be quite toxic. You know, don't open the windows. Don't open the sunroof. Just while you're in those sort of areas, if you're stuck in traffic and stuff, because you it will get in and you will end up breathing it. And you know, stupid little things like that, they all add up and give you more chance of not being as toxic as as is possible. And then, if you're looking at things like. Um, mold and so on then just be aware of that in your in your property or wherever you go and just understand that you know you don't want to be around it that much it's it's difficult to avoid and um you know it takes a while to treat if you do have it but um just being aware of things i think is is the easiest way to go and then outside of that you know live an enjoyable fantastic life because you have so much more energy and so much more cognitive function and ability to be creative and passionate that you know, this stuff is like, great, great. What more can I do to feel like this rather than where can I get more ice cream? Cause I want to feel even worse. Mm. Man, Paul, <laughs> I don't know where this hour has gone. I have been enthralled with this conversation. This has been amazing. I have a list going of all these things to talk about, like blood work, uh, trackers. I want to deep dive into mold and toxicity. We, we didn't even talk about podcasting or deep dive into cosmetics and stress management. So I, I'm going to put you on the spot and just ask, could we have the honor of hosting you another time so that we can deep dive into some of those things as well? Mate, just click the link, book it in. Let's do it. <laughs> Man. This, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've so much enjoyed learning from you and all the things that you've gone through. Um, it, it's interesting to have that kind of dichotomy of knowing that the, the world might not be going in the right direction, but as an individual, uh, one person, me, you, our clients, they can take action and ownership and have a better life despite all all the things that are going, you know, the wrong direction. I just, I have to ask you, if you had to distill down one thing from this conversation to share with a listener, what would that be? okay so here's one thing that is definitely worth knowing at the end of the day we are just making up life as we go along but we don't have a rule book or playbook that says paul burgess at 55 years old you should be doing this that and the other and this is how you should do it away you go but we don't have that so we are in a scenario where we have arrived wherever we have arrived in our life and we are making it up based on what we think is best. And so we then, which is what's natural, is we compare ourselves to other people who have maybe a similar job or a similar type of relationship or similar success or a similar family or whatever it is, and we bench ourselves against them how well we're doing. The problem with that is they don't have the rule book either. They are also making it up as they go along. And so whatever you're comparing yourself to is irrelevant. But that comparison breeds a lot of low self-esteem and doubt and kind of um, uh, the, the mindset that you're not good enough or you're not doing the things you should be because these other people seem to be so much more intelligent or they seem to be much more clever or they seem to be much more advanced or they've got much more money or whatever it is. And for me, if I want to say anything to people, is stop doing that and comparing yourself and just do you 
because no one's got your life, no one's got your history, no one's got your circumstances, and make your day as amazing as possible, and everything else will take care of itself. Uh, brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I love that. I'm going to carry that into the rest of my day, the rest of my week and, and keep that top of mind. That is so important and well said. Paul Burgess, what an amazing conversation. Where should people go to find you and connect with you and your work? Uh, well, uh, you can go to my website, which is paulburgess.uk, P-A-U-L-B-U-R-G-E-S-S for sugar, dot UK. Um, or you can find me on Instagram. I kind of hang out there mostly. Um, and I think that's under functional nutrition one is the handle for that. Um, but you can find that from the website anyway. You can also go to the website and there's a, a free consult call button on there. It gives you free 30 minutes to have a chat about anything regarding your health. Um, truth of the matter is it doesn't last 30 minutes. It normally takes about an hour. You can probably tell I like to talk a lot. <laughs> so, um, but so if anyone wants to uh, reach out and book a time feel free love to talk about anything um, if I can help great and if I can't I could definitely point you in the right direction um, and if you're suffering and you have been for a long period of time and you've had no success anywhere else I definitely want to speak to you and if anyone's ever told you um, yeah there's nothing really wrong it's all in your head it's not it's real it is happening and you need somebody that understands that to help you so by all means, reach out and, and um, book a time. It'd be lovely to speak to you. Beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. We're going to link all of that in the show notes. Paul Burgess, what an amazing conversation. I will definitely be clicking on the link to reserve another hour to talk to you a little bit longer. I'm so glad that you like to talk because we love to listen and we love to listen to you and your wisdom and everything that you bring to the table. Thank you so much for everything that you've gone through, for sharing that with us and for sharing it with the listener and for appearing on our podcast today. We're really grateful for you. My pleasure, man. Awesome. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.